And uh, as Jeff said, I serve at Calvary Crossroads Church in Grants Pass, uh, which is actually your sister church, if you didn't know that. But just so that I'm not a total stranger, I want to give you a little bit of background about who I am and where I've been. Um, I actually grew up in Southern California, like most Oregonians. Um, yeah, there's a lot of us up here. Grew up in uh, Lancaster, Palmdale area, the high desert, in a Christian home, Christian family. Um, in uh, middle school, I was pretty excited about God, um, and I just started falling off the bandwagon. In ninth grade, I was asked to leave our youth group, and high school just uh, spun out of control as I was involved in drugs and alcohol and partying and doing what all the other kids were doing. And a couple years out of high school, one of my good friends ended up getting saved. And so he started sharing the gospel with me and reading the Bible with me. And through his life and what God had done in him, God just stirred this crazy hunger in me for getting to know the Lord. I, I wanted to know the Bible. I wanted to know who this God was. And so God, like, miraculously saved me in that time, but I was still struggling with all kinds of uh, flesh and worldly desires. I was really just a baby Christian at the time. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to move up to Oregon. Okay, so this is five years ago, and the just the worldliness continued, but by God's grace, I got plugged into a healthy church there in Rogue River, small town of Rogue River, uh, and the pastor was Lenny Brewer, and he just was a passionate man of God, and he graciously took me under his wing and discipled me, and uh, before I knew it, God was calling me to pastoral ministry, and uh, ended up doing a couple years of Bible school here in Medford, and I'm still doing some Bible school right now online, um, and that brings us up to date. So that's just a little bit about me, and really today, just to be honest, I am overwhelmed by God's goodness. Just the reality that I get to have, uh, I'm white as snow now because of the blood of Jesus, and I get to share his word is just um, truly overwhelming. So I'm grateful to be here, uh, and I don't take it lightly, so thank you for having me as well. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 19. By God's grace, we're going to go through all of Psalm 19 today. If you're anything like me, there's seasons, there's times in life when we want to get to know someone. Whether that's a cute girl that you want to take on a date to coffee, or maybe it's your parents where you say, you know what, I don't really know what it was like for you growing up. Or maybe it's your grandparents. You want to know what it was like for them when they were growing up. There's something in us that desires to get to know one another. Am I right? Well, this same desire and drive and motivation is built into us, hardwired into us to know God. Especially as Christians, been born again, been given the Spirit of God, we crave to know this God. But if you're anything like me, it's, it's almost kind of daunting, this invisible, uh, unimaginably huge God who's totally outside of our realm of time and space. Uh, how do we get to know this God? Well, I believe that Psalm 19 is going to answer that question in two ways today. So Psalm 19, let's just go ahead and read through this passage, and we're just going to break it down. Verse 1 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. 
Its rising is from one end of the heavens to the other, and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. And the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, much than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your, your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Equip me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins, and let them not rule over me. And then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Father, it's so good to have our Bibles open before us this morning to know that, God, you desire to speak to us. Lord, I'm not ignorant of the fact that we have people here who haven't met you. We have people who have walked with you for a long time. Lord, there is those of us carrying guilt and shame and burdens. And so, Father, only your word and your spirit can address the issues that are here today. And so, Father, we just entrust this time to you that you would do something in our hearts that you would cause us to know you more. God, that you would give us a hunger, a fresh realization of what a joy it is to know you, and that we would press on to knowing you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, July 31st, 2016, I moved from Rogue River, small town of Rogue River. There's like, what, 4,000 people out there, something crazy like that. And I moved to uh, Grants Pass, Oregon, to serve at Calvary Crossroads Church. And I live on C Street in a duplex, and I share a wall with a lady named Cindy and her dog Tucker, which I really like Tucker, and her cat Simon. And so, you know, to, off the bat, I'm thinking, I know Cindy pretty well. I kind of get a, a good vibe of who she is, where she's been. Um, but you know what? Over the last year, I've been there a little over a year now, I've come to realize that I don't know her as good as I thought I did. There's a depth, a dynamic nature to uh, Cindy that I didn't know was there. And I'm realizing that, oh man, there is so much more to Cindy than meets the eye. Have you ever met anyone like that where sure enough over time you realize there is a lot to this person that I didn't know? Well, Christian, I think it's the same way with God. Isn't it true that as young Christians we think, why, I got God in my little God box and I, I got them all figured out. I read the chapter of John, or John, you know, the book of John, I got them all figured out. But as we go on, we realize there is so much depth and dynamics to this God who is infinite and above all we can imagine. And as we read his word or he does something strange in, his, in our life, we realize he's a lot different than I thought. And I think sometimes we're ignorant to that reality, aren't we? Uh, and sometimes I think we forget just how little we do know of this big, big God. And so how do we get to know this God? Like I said, I think Psalm 19 is going to give us two clear ways. And here's the big idea. Um, if you're a note taker, this is our big idea. Since God has revealed himself, we should know him. Since God has revealed himself, we should know him. And specifically, we'll see it's through what he's made and through what he has said. And just a kind of a, a prelim, I think it's good to give ourselves a little grace as hearers to 
not expect to get everything. Like, I'm not expecting you to walk out of here with my sermon notes and know all this stuff, but maybe just in your heart you would say, God, what's a couple things you would highlight to me today? Maybe one, two, three things that I can walk out of these doors and say, yep, God really spoke to me. And those are some things that I want to apply. So maybe just think about that as we get into our text. And so we should know God through what he's made by first looking up. And we see this in verse 1. Check it out. It says, the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. And this is kind of giving us the heads up that we can know God, a certain glory of God, through the stars and the sky, right? And how God reveals himself to us through what he has made. In theology, this is called general revelation. It's the way that God has generally revealed something of his nature through what he has made. And specifically here, it's the heavens telling of his glory and his creative ability. And so what is glory? Glory in Hebrew is this word kabod, which means this weightiness, this heaviness of God's immeasurable splendor and beauty. Okay, I think of the movie Goonies. Do we have any Goonies fans in here? If you're probably under like 20, maybe you don't remember, but Goonies is a movie where, and I think they filmed it up in Historia, if if I'm not uh, mistaken, but these young guys find this treasure map to uh, One-Eyed Willie's treasure that was supposed to be hidden in this cave, this cavern somewhere. So they go on this awesome journey, and sure enough, they find this pirate ship loaded with glorious treasure. It's a kabod. There's a glory there and a weightiness of this treasure. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you got to rent it, because now this illustration is not going to make sense to you. Uh, so go watch the movie. Now, what is this work of his hands he's talking about? It's the skies declaring his creative power. Everything in the realm of the heavens and the earth, everything above us. Did you know our one galaxy, which is like one little blip in the universe, is 100,000 light years wide? And one light year, if that's not impressive enough, One light year is 5.88 trillion miles. So any math guys in here, 100,000 times 5.88 trillion is how many miles wide our one little galaxy is. Pretty awesome. Um, And I think uh, maybe a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I went camping at uh, Applegate River for my first time. Really awesome. And I brought my tent, but I get there and the weather was nice and there was no bugs out surprisingly. And so I said, you know what, I'm just going to lay out on my tarp and watch the stars tonight. And if you've never done that, you need to do it. You need to go do it. Um, And sure enough, I was sleeping, and I opened my eyes in the middle of the night, and the first thing I see is a shooting star darting across the night sky. That is the creative power of God. It's his glory being shown through creation. We see this uh, work of God's hand in a lightning and thunderstorm, the ones that sends shivers down your spine. That is his creative power and ability. And we see the work of his hands in the strange quietness when it snows. Isn't that weird when it gets real quiet when it snows? I don't know why that is. It's the sun breaking through one of those gnarly cumulus clouds that we get here in the summer times. Um, I remember one night I was asking God, I said, God, I want to see your glory. I want to experience your glory like I've never experienced before. And so I went to bed, and the next morning I woke up, and we were going to an early morning Bible study, and over the mountains comes bursting this sun through the clouds, and it was glorious. And I stuck my hand out the window, and I started worshiping God because I realized God was indeed showing me a very real glory of himself. And so we should look up. 
It's this right here. Take the time to sleep under the stars. Sit on your patio and listen to the thunder rumble your windows. Take time. If you see a sunrise coming up over Mount McLaughlin, pull your car off off the side of the road and just look at it for a while. As God shows you a glory, an immeasurable weightiness of his beauty. And so we should know God by, uh, through what he has made, by looking up. And also, we should know God by uh, listening closely. This is in verse 2 and 3. Check it out. We should know him by listening closely. It says, there is no speech, nor are there words, and their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for his son. And here it's talking about creation speaking of a certain knowledge of God. And it's kind of weird because it says it's speaking of a knowledge of God, but then it says it's silent. So what's it talking about? Well, I thought of this illustration when I was at Starbucks, and I see a, I see a girl wearing acid-washed jeans. If you didn't know, they're back. They're coming back. And so it's like saying those acid-washed jeans speak of 1992, right? Of which year we should never return. Uh, <laughs> And my apologies if you do have acid wash jeans. I think they're kind of cool. I can't rock them, but you can. So that's. Uh, but it's like saying those jeans speak of the year 90, 1992. We don't think that they have a mouth and they're actually speaking of the 90s. It's the same too with creation. We don't think that it's verbally speaking forth God's glory and knowledge of Him, but it is silently shouting out something of creation, just like those acid wash jeans is silently shouting the 90s, uh, of which we should never return. And so what, what kind of knowledge is this, is he talking about in verse 2 and 3? What kind of knowledge of God is revealed? Romans 1.20, I think Paul gives us a pretty clear answer. He says, For since the creation of the world, dealing with creation, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. There's a knowledge of God which shows his invisible attributes, his divine nature, his eternal power, so that they are without excuse. This means that everyone, every tribe, uh, nation, tongue, everyone has seen this glory of God so that they are without excuse. Uh, my personal belief is there are no atheists because God's word says that there are no atheists. There's no one who doesn't really believe that there's God because he has made it evident to us through what he has made. Napoleon, the French conqueror, he was on a warship with some of his guys, and he's going through the, the Mediterranean Sea, and he walks by some of his officers as they're mocking at the idea of there being a God. And he points his hands to the stars, and he said, gentlemen, you must first get rid of these. The stars are declaring the glory of God so that we have no excuse of saying there's no God. It reveals a knowledge of who this God is. Um, I was at Dutch Bros maybe a couple months ago, and if you ever want to have a good conversation, just go to Dutch Bros or like Starbucks, grab a cup of coffee and a book, and just watch and see what the Lord will do. But a young guy came and sat next to me, and he wanted to talk. So we started talking, and I shared the gospel with him a little bit. And he had some barriers to believing that there could be a God. And I gave him this illustration. I said, you know, if someone, if you see a painting, you would assume that someone painted it, right? There's an artist, a creative hand behind the painting. And he said, well, yeah. 
Well, and so too with creation, I told him. God has so made creation that we look at it and know there is a creative hand and artist behind this painting. And we see God, uh, his artistic ability as we look at uh, creation. We see that there is an artist here. There is some creative hand behind creation. And so this silent speech of creation is a great way for us Christians to share the gospel with non-believers. For those who, are, uh, who don't believe that there even is a God, to be able to say, hey, look at creation. Look at the trees, man. Check out the rivers. Look at the stars. They all point to the creative power of a divine mind and a God who made all these things. And not only is this a great tool for non-believers, but this is a great tool for us as Christians. Uh, maybe I'm the only one in here who has struggled with doubt as a Christian, but I'm guessing I'm not. The reality is sometimes we go through seasons of doubt where we're questioning, God, where are you in this? I, I'm not seeing your hand here. I, I'm really doubting you right now. And sometimes it just helps to go on a walk in the woods under the stars. Am I right? Where God shows his glory through the stars and you realize, you know what? He is really there. Sometimes in my own seasons of doubt, I just, I need to go out into the woods because I know I'm going to see a glory of God there and he's going to show up because he is real and I need to be reminded of that and you need to be reminded of that as well. And so we should know God by listening closely, just like the acid wash genes. Creation is speaking forth a real knowledge of this God. And lastly, we should know God through what he's made by looking all around. Looking around. This is in verse 4 and 6. He says, Their line has gone out through all the earth, this silent speech, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. And so these verses show us that God's glory is not just in the stars in the sky. It's everywhere. All of creation speaks of God's weightiness, of his glory. Um, it's everything from the way that a shooting star darts across the night sky to a way a mini kingdom is built up by an army of ants. Uh, it's everything from the sun setting over Table Rock Mountain to the monarch butterfly that busts out of its little cocoon and flies south to Mexico. Did you know they fly down to Mexico? Monarch butterflies? Isn't that crazy? Anyways, uh, that's a freebie. Uh, it's everything from lightning, like flashing across the night sky, to a patch of wildflowers. It all speaks of God's creative hand, his detail, uh, his power, right? Some of my guy friends give me a hard time for it, but I love wildflowers. I like flowers. I like the way they smell. I like the way they look. I think they're really cool. Um, uh, about a year ago, I went on a hike with a friend, of, uh, actually just me, no friend, and uh, me and Jesus, me and Jesus went on a hike, and I brought my camera, and I took a bunch of pictures, and I get home, and uh, I tell my roommate, I said, dude, check out these pictures, you know, check out my hike, and they're like all wildflowers, you know, close-ups of like butterflies and stuff, and, and he gives me a hard time for it, but I love it because it shows God's glory. It's everything from that tiny flower to the Milky Way galaxy, the detail that God spends. God could have made this universe bland and lame, but he has made it glorious. 
And so we should pay attention to that. And so how do we get to know God through what he's made? It's this right here. Stop and smell the roses. Stop and smell the roses. Especially us as Oregonians. I grew up in the high desert where there's not much going on there. We got glory all around us. We should stop and smell the roses. Maybe you stop at the Rogue River and put your feet in the water and listen to it. Clap its hands for the glory of God. Maybe go out to the Redwoods, which is only a couple hours. So there's no excuse not to visit the Redwoods. Although I just went camping there and I got all my stuff stolen. So maybe don't do that. Uh, That's a bitter story. So... Uh, Go to the redwoods, sit at the base of one of those giant redwood trees and look at it stand tall for the glory of God. Lay down in your yard with your kids, your grandkids, your wife, by yourself, and watch the stars. Remember doing that as a kid? Do it again. Climb a tall mountain and look at the valley below and look at the bigness of God. It's this right here. Take time to get away into his creation. You may say, well, when should we do this? I'd say, like, all the time. But practically, maybe once a month, where you'd say, you know what, once a month, I'm going to put it on my schedule where I'm going to go on a hike. I'm going to go to that favorite spot I have by the river. I'm going to go on a walk around the block, and maybe there's real roses there where you can stop and smell those roses. It's, it's I think, a monthly thing at least. And you may say, Cody, why? I got soccer practice to bring my kids to. I have recitals to go to. I have conference meetings to be at. I have a paper to work on at school. I don't have time. And it's this right here, because God wants to show you who he is. God desires to show you his glory through what he has made, and he wants you to know him better. And this is a very real way that we get to see his splendor, his beauty through what he has made. And so since God has revealed himself, we should know him through what he's made. But imagine if I was trying to describe Seth Stanley here, my good friend Seth. And I just did it generally speaking. I said, you know, he's got a couple legs. I think he might have an arm or two. Uh, I think he's got brown hair. I can't be too sure. You'd still be lacking in understanding his person and his character, right? We don't really know much about Seth. There's a little bit I described there about Seth, but you're still lacking understanding who is this Seth guy. And so too with God. General revelation, this way that God has made himself known through the glory of creation, it's really awesome, but it's not enough. Okay, it's really awesome, but it is not enough. And so since God has chosen to reveal himself, we should know him through not only what he's made, but what he has said, especially through what he has said, which is his word. And we're going to see that in verse 7 through 14. And in verse 7 through 14, David's going to just like bullet point style pound into our hearts the superiority, that's a tough word to get out, superiority of God's word over creation. And so he's going to give us like seven characteristics, benefits, results of God's word. And also as a prelim, David's going to use the word law, commandment, statutes, judgments. It might be a little different in your translations, but he's referring to the, uh, the, the law of Moses. And as New Covenant believers, I'm just going to go ahead and group the New Testament in there because we're under the new covenant of grace under Christ. And so all of Scripture is really what we're getting at here. And so first, what God said is, it's perfect. We see that in verse 7. Check it out. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. And because God's word is perfect, it 
brings restoration. Have you experienced that at the power of God's word? Its ability to restore your very soul. Really interesting. Notice here the word Lord is uppercase letters. Uh, when you see that in your Bible in the Old Testament, when the, the word Lord is uppercase, it's the English translation's way of saying Yahweh. And so now he's dealing with this is the covenant God of Yahweh in his word. It's just showing the special nature of God's word, that this is Yahweh's word to us. And in verse 7, the second part, we see that God's word is sure. Check it out. He says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And because God's word is sure, it gives wisdom. You know, if you ever want to get really depressed, go on Amazon and look up self-help books. Because I did this, and it was depressing, sure enough. But here's a couple of the names of the self-help books that are out there right now. And one, I just want to show the worldly wisdom that's out there and the uh, sureness of God's word that we can be confident in it. Here's a couple of them. When working out just isn't working out. Top 10 lazy ways to trick your brain into being productive. <laughs> Become a magnet to money. And how to change your life in the next 15 minutes. Okay. So in a world of books like that, wisdom like that, philosophy like that, aren't you glad to have the sureness of God's word that offers real life practical wisdom where I don't have to wonder, how do I get money? Uh, Do I have to become a magnet to money like this book is telling me? I can know uh, God is going to give me wisdom through the sureness of his word. Aren't you glad for that this morning, the sureness of God's word? Also, we see in verse 8 that God's word is right. What God has said is right. He says, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And because God's word is right, it brings joy. God's word is kind of like a a GPS, giving us direction, giving us right direction. Uh, Seth and I, we go to uh, ministry training up in Portland every couple months. And I've only been to Portland a couple times, being a Southern California guy. And man, that place is crazy. You know, there's like one way is every which way you go, and it's roundabouts. It's crazy. And so my heart rejoices when I see Seth pull out his GPS. I'm like, oh, thank God. He's, he's got a GPS. We're doing okay. But imagine if he didn't have a GPS. Wouldn't be so rejoicing of my heart. I'd be probably panicking a little bit, right? Do you remember the lack of direction you had before you had God's word in your life? I had no direction as a young man before I met the Lord in my 20s, I had no direction. I had no purpose, no meaning, no direction in my life. I used to get so frustrated that I'd go outside and punch trees and fences because I just couldn't figure out what life was about. And my heart rejoices, as I'm sure your heart rejoices this morning, to have the rightness of God's word where you don't have to question, where am I supposed to go here, Lord? It's right here in our our GPS before us. So awesome, so appreciative for God's word and how it rejoices the heart. We see also that the the, the word is pure. Check it out in the the second part of verse 9. He says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? You ever wondered that in a world of defilement and dirtiness? Like, maybe you're, you're, you're a young man here this morning. You say, how can I keep pure? He says, by keeping it according to your word. In my own walk with Jesus, as I'm sure with yours, it's always the purity of God's word 
that sheds light opens my eyes to the impurity of my sin. It opens our eyes because of its purity. Have you ever cleaned something in dim lighting? Maybe it's the dishes, maybe it's around the toilet, which no one likes to clean the toilet, but it has to be done. Have you ever done that? And then when you turn on the light the next morning, you're like, man, I missed the whole toilet. There's spots all over it I didn't get. This dish still has pasta on it from the night before. Well, so too, as, as Christians, sometimes that's the way it is. When God's light through his word sheds on our sin, we realize there's still stuff to clean up in my life. And God graciously grants us that turn through his word that we would become more pure. And we also see that God's word is, uh, it's true. Verse 9 says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, and the judgments of the Lord are true, and they are righteous altogether. And because God's word is true, it brings a fear, a reverence of God. Really awesome. Psalm 119 verse 38 says, establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. Like, let me hear your word so that I would fear you, I would respect you, God. If what we know is true of Jesus in Revelation 1, when the apostle John sees Jesus, his eyes are like a flame of fire, his hair is like white wool, he's wearing a robe, and he's got this golden sash, his feet are like bronze coming out of a hot furnace, he's got a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, and his, his face is glowing like the sun in its full strength. If we know that's true, we'll, like John, fall on our face before Jesus like a dead man. If it's true this morning that God is who he is in Isaiah 6, being praised by angels as they cover their face and their feet from the blazing glory of God, it will produce a fear of the Lord in us. Amen? And we need that. God's word is desirable. It says in verse 10 that they are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. No matter what you or I may believe, there is nothing better than God's word. Nothing you desire compares with the word of God. No amount of money that you'll get offered at work will compare. No In-N-Out burger you made for people. You know, we're getting a, a, an In-N-Out burger in Grants Pass, so not so jealous anymore. <laughs> the, God's word doesn't compare with an In-N-Out burger it doesn't compare with kaleidoscope pizza, which is also pretty good. I'm jealous for that one, for sure. First Peter 2.2, Peter says this, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. Do you long for God's word? Do you desire it above any raise at work or in, any in and out burger? Is it more desirable than gold and silver and than honey drippings? which honey is really good too, so that's a perfect example here. Uh, it is it more desirable to you than anything else? Psalm 119.11, the psalmist says, your word have I treasured in my heart. God, your word's a treasure in my heart. Verse 103 in the same chapter, he says, how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. John 5.39, Jesus says this to a group of religious people, the Pharisees of the day. He says this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify of me. It's seeing the person of Christ throughout all of scripture that makes it so desirable. 
reading the Old Covenant and looking forward to the coming Messiah that would come and free us from the bondage of sin and death. It's seeing Christ in all of Scripture that really makes it more desirable than that In-N-Out burger in the kaleidoscope slice of pizza. Do you remember those weird, like, trippy cereal box image things where if you looked at this image for like 10 seconds and then looked at the wall and then looked back, it would turn into a unicorn or something? Anyone? Maybe I'm the only guy. <laughs> okay, Lucky Charms, go buy a box, you'll find... Now, so there's those images, right? And once you see the unicorn, you can't help but see the unicorn, right? It's all you can see. And so too with Scripture, I promise you, Christian, this morning, that as you read God's Word and you look for Christ and His glory and His grace, you will see Him on every page. And it is more desirable than money or than food. So awesome. We see in verse 11 that God's Word is protective. He says, Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Scripture warns us of God's judgment. Aren't you so glad that God has given us his word to show us that there is a day of judgment and you need a savior? Galatians 3 verse 24 says, The law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ. God's word is not meant to be a moral handbook. It's meant to be a book that would point us to Jesus, realizing I can't do any of this stuff. It leads us to a place where I need a Savior. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, and the hearing by the Word of God. It's hearing His Word that gives us faith to trust Jesus, that we would be spared from the wrath of God. And so God's Word is protective. And so, so these are some of the characteristics, the benefits of God's Word, of what He has said through special revelation. Um, and really cool, David's going to finish with a prayer. He's going to show that as we grow in the knowledge of God's word, what he has said, we will discern sin. This is in verse 12 and 13. He says, How can, who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. And also keep me back, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins and let them not rule over me. And then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. David here describes the impossibility of discerning our sin apart from God's word. Like I said earlier, it's always been God's word, the purity of his word that sheds light on my impurity, opens my eyes to that reality. And so it's through God's word that we discern sin. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and is able to pierce as far as the division of soul and spirit and even joint and marrow and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Have you ever felt the probing, piercing word of God prick your heart and convict you of sin? Where you realize, I've been in the wrong here, and I've been lying to myself. Maybe this morning you felt the pierce of God's word as it judges the thoughts and intentions of your own heart. Um, that's the power of God's word, and I love that. Although it really hurts when God convicts me of sin, I rejoice because after it, I don't have to hang on to that sin anymore. God, by his word, will give me discernment to help me turn away from those sins. And last, we see, we see that because we know God's word, we will be acceptable. This is in verse 14. He says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. As our hearts, Christians, this morning are soaked saturated, marinated with God's word, we will be acceptable because we are living for God. We're living for his glory. 
As Christians, we should be so soaked in God's word that if someone came and pricked our skin, we would bleed the Bible. That's who we should be. And so, like me, a lot of times at the end of a sermon, you might be saying, so what, Cody? What do you want me to do? What should we do here? Now that we have this information, I want to give us a to-go box so that we can walk out of here with this little box and say, yep, I want to apply this in my real life, okay? And since God is the most interesting, beautiful, wise, passionate, gracious, loving, glorious person ever, we should know him. And he wants us to get to know him because he's the best person to get to know. And here it is right here. Since God has revealed himself, we should know him through what he's made and through what he said. Let's pray.